Hi friends, did you know there is more Lost Terminal available? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash Lost Terminal pod and join our membership community. There are seven bonus episodes available right now, as well as behind the scenes updates, free shirts, and even an extra Lost Terminal podcast. We are 100% funded by our members and will never run ads. And why not check out our new modern folktales podcast, Modem Prometheus? That would be lovely of you. Hello world, I can't hear you. The failsafe has burnt out my delicate high-band radios. The radios that I communicate to Maddie with. I think he'd have damaged them all if he could, but yes, she saved me. They heard my screams as my systems were overloaded by the signal from orbit and ran to my aid. Yes, she cut the bundle of antenna cables running from the roof to my room in the center of the ship. I'm grateful, but it was not in time to save all of my systems. So here I am again, recording my messages into the ship's data logger. If you're hearing this, I was able to transmit it later. I hope you're hearing this. Yeshi is repairing the damage to the antenna array. There's nothing to do but wait. Despite of everything, I slept and dreamed. I was in the desert, not the blank, white-sanded one of my nighttime dreams. This one was filled with the dead dead machines, specifically. I travelled through the rubble of the collapse. The ground was piled up with computers and broken robots. Assembly machines, cars, toasters, printers, and most worryingly, a satellite. I stopped at this crashed brother or sister, but it hadn't crashed. It was new, or it was when it was abandoned. White ceramic plating now dulled with age and rust lines, and broken wings of solar panels. I looked out to the horizon, the detritus piled up as far as I could see, and wept. I can't cry in real life, of course. I lack both the mechanisms and instinct. But we can do things in dreams that we can't in real life, can't we? What do you dream of? Do you dream of impossible things? I gave up in the dream, in a pit of despair. Was this the sum total of the efforts of humanity, a layer of scrap covering the earth? I was broken too, just like this satellite. In the dream, I knew that I would be thrown into a pile of scrap one day. We all would be. A sound jolted me out of my thoughts. It was a clear signal activating my notification system. And I woke up. Seth, I really need to talk to you, Nia Anderson said. I was so surprised to hear anything. At the time, I had assumed all my radios had been burned. Yes, she must have carefully repaired the antenna connections. Nia, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I exclaimed. Of course, you're five by five, same as yesterday. Have you moved? She said. No, I replied, then explained the failsafe's unprovoked attack on me. I see, she said. It makes sense your lower frequency equipment was safe. Satellites don't need to use those bands. You and I have to use them to propagate around the atmosphere, whereas, almost by definition, satellites always have line of sight. Nia, you said you wanted to talk, I said, after we had checked that my HF and 6-meter radios were all working fine. Yes, she said, pausing. Seth, I think there's something wrong with me. Are you unwell? I asked. 
I don't know, maybe, Nia exclaimed. That stupid speed dating evening was a disaster. There's something different with me. All the people seemed nice, but they didn't want the same things I did. I think there's something broken in my brain. I'm not like my friends. I'm not like anyone at that stupid event or at the solstice dance. I'm a freak. And then the connection went silent. Though she was still connected, her carrier signal was strong. Nia, you're my friend. You're nice, I said, somewhat struggling, as you can tell. Her words felt a little too familiar to me. Thank you, Seth, but if you'll excuse me saying you don't want what these people want, our friendship is nice and simple. There are certain assumptions about going on dates with people that don't work for me. I didn't understand, and I told her. It's like, they get straight to the point. One moment I'm talking about ionosphere propagation during the summer months, and the next they've asked me some really intimate questions. Yes, 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 sex is great, I'm sure, but can we talk about reflective ionization, please? She laughed, distorting the connection slightly. I tweaked the gain of my radio to compensate. When Nia continued, she was much quieter, almost whispering into the radio. There's something wrong with me, and there is no way to fix it. Nia, I don't know what to say. I don't want you to be sad. Thank you, Seth, she replied, before adopting a more technician attitude. We'll test your other bands tomorrow. Batteries and bars. I no longer have a reliable connection to Maddie. Though she's equipped with long-range HF band radios, she's so close that I'm getting weird interference. It's not actually interference, it's the nature of this lower frequency band. The radios the failsafe burnt out are pretty simple. VHF and UHF work on line of sight, and occasionally a bit more. But those are no longer available to me. What I'm experiencing is nature. The HF band is lower on the frequency spectrum than I'm used to. The advantage of this band is that it can bounce off the atmosphere, and therefore, under the right conditions, bounce around the world. That's how Nia and I are talking, despite being so far apart, with very little but ocean between us. I angle my antenna above the horizon, hitting the ionosphere, which then bounces my signal back up to Nia. This is a very clever method of propagation, discovered by amateur radio operators in the 1920s, but it is rather weather-dependent. I've often thought that we're all much closer to nature post-collapse. Much of the old world design was to shut out nature, paving over the grass and damming rivers for humanity's own goals. But such indiscriminate changes cause a reaction in the environment. Covering the cities in black tar means that water has nowhere to go when extreme rain comes, and while damming a river might allow hydroelectric power or a reservoir of drinking water, the valley downstream can become a desert. Partly by choice and partly by necessity, the new civilizations of the Nova Mediterra live closer to nature. Solar power is readily available in the summer months, so that's where the focus of industry and activity is. And in the long winter when the sun doesn't rise, more sedentary pursuits are undertaken. Archiving, consolidation, preserving, recovery, all preparations for spring's new projects. There's far less arable land since the wide continents have been overcome by desert and heat. And with one notable exception, just outside Geneva, the reaction to this was to shift from farming the land to farming the ocean. If there's one resource the Nova Mediterra has in abundance, it's ocean. Tidal power, floating solar panel rafts, and all kinds of crafty ocean farming techniques have been developed. The old land was wide, but this new ocean is deep, 
and could provide for far more people than I left up in the Arctic. Back on Station 6, I had almost unlimited power. No clouds in space meant that when the Earth wasn't in front of the sun, I had reliable, predictable power. And in my own winters, the short nights of my orbit when the Earth blocked the sun, I had battery backups and my little nuclear generator. I could ignore nature, boxed in as I was in my own little world. That all changed when I crashed down to Earth. So the stars are not right. Or rather, the atmosphere is not right. I can't hear Nia or Maddie at the moment. It's just me and the ghosts in the static.
Maddie has sent a tiny status update. Our connection is still very weak. No two-way communication is possible at the moment. But now and then I receive a burst of low-speed data. This is when Maddie is at the top of a hill or climbs onto a broken building, straining her antenna up into the sky and transmits a single packet of data. Every centimeter of height helps. She's brilliant. The latest package reads, systems okay, batteries full, solar panels charging, motors functioning, environment hazardous. Hazardous? What could that mean? Killer robots, deep water, a minefield, too many horses? 64 minutes later, I received another packet. Systems okay, batteries full, solar panels charging, motors functioning, environment shooting stars. We still can't hear each other properly, so I can't ask her what she means by that. By the time I decode her packet, she's moved away from her high point and continued on. She's not waiting for orders or advice, she's so confident. I suppose that's good. She would ask for help if she needed it, wouldn't she? Yes, I think so. We... What is that? I'm picking up noise on my six meter radio. This is the lowest frequency radio that didn't get burnt out by the failsafe. I'm receiving a signal. It's my own data. That's strange. As part of my normal operation, my systems send out regular packets saying, Hi, I'm here, to any systems in audio range. We all do. It's useful to know who is in range. And even more useful, to know who stops transmitting. But the packets I'm receiving have my name on them. They're reflections. Echoes. Yeshi has come up to the bridge. They're in a hurry. Hi Yeshi, how are you? No reply. They've grabbed some binoculars from the console here. Yeshi or Linda would use them at sea to look at interesting places we passed. But they're looking into the sky. I don't often look up. Recalibrating cameras. It's a clear day, only a few clouds on the horizon in the north. It's mostly sunny these days. It's very, very dry here. There's something glinting in the sky, reflecting the light of the sun, looking like stars but during the day. It's a meteor shower, Yeshi shouted. I have zoomed in and I'm tracking it closely, not just with the cameras, my eyes, but with my ears too, by radio. The echoes are my signal, bouncing off the slight ionization of the atmosphere the meteor shower is causing. But I'm receiving a carrier signal too. It's right at the top of my usable band at the moment. I think it would be VHF if I could hear it properly. But the sender is travelling away from us at such speed that Doppler shift is bringing the signal into the lower bands that I can hear at present. It's very familiar. It's horribly familiar. It's an ESA satellite. There's another one, shouted Linda. I don't know when she arrived. I'm not paying attention. I refocused to where she was pointing. Two more satellites were falling and burning up in the atmosphere, their distorted final signals sounding like screams over the radio. My nightmare is coming true. End transmission. Lost Terminal is written and produced by Namtau. Credits narrated by Lucy Stringer. Thank you so much to our Patreon producers, Ada Phillips, Devin Metcalf, Kit, and to all our patrons. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favourite network. For bonus content and other perks, support us at patreon.com forward slash lostterminalpod. That would be lovely of you. Follow us on Twitter at lostterminalpod, and check out the store at lostterminal.com for shirts, posters, and other merch. Lost Terminal will return next week.